Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet, continuing Ironsworn Sundered Isles. These are all releasing on the same day, so if you're just listening through, props to you. If you're spreading it out or catching up much later down the line, which is most likely the case, thanks for listening. I think for everybody's sake, I'm just going to do a quick recap of our character creation, our main character, and what happened in the first session. So, keeping it super quick, we made a character in Ironsworn Sundered Isles, a seafaring Age of Sail setting for the Ironsworn RPG, which will be crowdfunding for a print run sometime early in 2024. So if you're listening to this right when it comes out, I know I want to show people games that are out there and they should be playing. For this one, you're going to have to wait a little bit, but you can definitely check out the original Ironsworn, its supplement Delve, and Ironsworn Starforged, which takes the same system to space. Our character for Sundered Isles is named Dine Aloma. He is an early 20s young man who is tan with shoulder-length wavy dark hair that he keeps tied back in a scarf that was his mother's and carries two curved iron daggers that were his father's. There has been a generations-long war, as long as anyone can remember, in the setting of the Sundered Isles, and it has recently come to an end. A winner has been declared, and it is the Cairodi Dominion. Now, Dine is from an island chain deep in the reaches, some of the most remote sections of the sea that are far from the main lines and most populated settlements of the Sundered Isles, and the Dominion has finally reached their shores to assert their control and declare themselves the victors. Being out in the reaches where their island of Istomavana is, they are nearest to the Sky Islands that are the result of cataclysmic events that happened during the war, early in the war's days, or maybe it's why the war was fought. They've been around for a few generations or more to the point where they're just the way of life out here. And now that the war is over, they are being researched by the Sinosher Society, a member of researchers and scientists from the Dominion, and Dominion ships have arrived in these waters. Now, the locals of Istomavana have been working with two different resistance groups, one known as the Morian, who are natives to these waters, and they kind of are like ambush solo attackers. They swarm in single person vehicles and ships. They have almost like a boat that scatters into a bunch of different wind surfing solo attackers. So they have like a swarm effect. And then the Eldarian remnants or resistance that we've been calling them, which was basically a significant opponent to the Cairodi Dominion. However, their numbers were shattered and they kind of had to scatter across the seas. And we have a small cell of the resistance here in Istomavana. In our first session, we swore an iron vow to the leader of the Morian, a woman named Kimora, and we found out that she is the reason that Dine and his friends, Laulo and Ephraim, have their ship, the Venture, which they've been running their merchant kind of runs on to keep supplies in the village and for everyone here, and the Morian called in that favor and said, we need to strike at the Dominion battleships when they are separated, doing their patrols around the island, and get medicine for the Eldarian resistance members, because they've come down with diseases that are hitting them a lot harder than the people around here, because they're not from here, they haven't worked up those immunities. 
so we swore an iron vow to get medicine for the Eldarian resistance, made a connection with the leader of the Morian, and during a distraction and ambush attack by the Morian on one of these battleships when it rounded a remote section of the island, of course, we rolled cursed weather and a cinder storm. Basically, we had to determine that, I guess, Istomavana has an active volcano on the island, and the ash and soot and clouds and fire that rained down, where normally it's just like heavy fogs and mist, we thought we'd be able to strike under some kind of cover from the fog or mists or what have you. Instead, it was a little bit more intense than that. But during the skirmish, Dine and his companion monkey Tam, the big golden tamarind monkey, managed to slip on board the battleship and get down into the hold and find medicine to bring back to the Eldarian resistance. We rolled very well in that first session, and I don't anticipate that being the case moving forward. We made some progress on our quests, on our vows, and we still have our background vow of Dine needing to take his sorceress mystic trials, something that his culture usually would have forced upon him at this point in his life, but because of the war and his need to provide goods and supplies for his family, he did not go and take the mystic trials. And now his magic may be suffering for it, or there's a lot of just cultural superstitions about this. And unfortunately, now I think the area, the place where these trials would be held is where the Sinosha Society is researching the Sky Islands. So we're going to need to find a way past the Dominion protected areas and past these scientific researchers and undertake that at some point. So last session ended with the handover of the medicine to the Eldarian resistance, and we kind of said we had a sojourn. We took some time to let the heat kind of die down after the event, and we've been spending some time in the village. And I think I want to start this episode with a little bit of just world building that I did just by rolling on some tables and kind of describe the village a little bit more in ways that I think will provide interesting rationale for the kind of setting that we are in, because Sundered Isles is going to be mostly an age of sail, you know, pirate ships versus colonialist flavored longships and battleships coming to new shores, and it's going to be a lot of that vibe, whereas I'm taking it more to skyships, and there's a lot more maybe mystical elements in this game. So one of my thoughts was, we're going to see Dine, and we're going to see a little bit more of life in the village. It's not life in the village as it has been, because there is still strong Dominion presence. As we said last time, the Dominion have set up trading houses, where basically all goods and trading supplies and everything like that need to come in to these offices to be distributed as the Dominion sees fit. So life is a little annoying at this point. But one of the interesting things about this setting is I was thinking, how do we have skyships? Now, obviously, there's a discussion for soft versus hard magic systems, and because the mechanics of Iron Sworn don't really go into detail about how magic works, it's all just in the narrative, it leans way more towards the soft magic side, and I think that I'm going to lean into that, and we're not going to have to describe it much, but my idea was, I described the village when we first saw 
the Venture and Dine and his crew coming down and docking, that they have almost like weather vanes or wind vanes on top of every house, every structure in the middle of the streets, everything like that. And I think I kind of want it to be like, if the primary mode of transportation in this world is sea travel, and at this point it is sailing ships, then wind means everything. And I think that the leap from sea-based sail travel to airship-based sail travel is reasonable. And I think what we can say, and just kind of hand wave the specifics of it, is that someone in the world discovered how to harness wind. And there's even an asset, there's a path in the Sundered Isles setting called Windbinder, which allows the user to basically magically bind the winds to your will. And I think that that is a very important place in society. Maybe it's part of what Dine's mystic trials are going to teach him how to do. And I think that it only makes sense that every ship, or at least every ship worth its salt, is going to have a wind binder. And, or at least wind binders have created basically batteries that can be used to change wind direction to the point where it can bring ships into the sky, right? So there's, if you don't have a wind binder, you have a limited resource as you are flying your ship. If you have a wind binder on your ship, then you have a much more reliable source of air travel. And the uses go well beyond just being on a ship. So I think that in the village of Istomavana, it's not lacking in any kind of technology. They have windbinders and sorcerers from their own stretches of the reaches here that have come up with ways to create these wind vanes that as the wind blows past the shores and down the mountains and all around this island, it can be captured through tubes and basically it charges these various, we'll call them batteries or something similar. And they can be used throughout the house, throughout the city, village, etc. Everybody finds different kinds of uses for it. So that's just an idea that I had. And I think that I'm going to start with a little interlude scene, and I'm going to roll on the interlude scene oracle just for fun. Always use the tables, they're there. I want to show off how many options and how many cool ways to just come up with ideas are packed into this game. And I got a 63 for ready your gear. So I think we see Dine is with Laulo and Ephraim, and they are basically going down head to toe, top of the list, everything they can think of to make sure that the venture is ready to sail and ready to fly at a moment's notice. Despite taking some time to let the heat die down, the Dominion are reeling from the attack on the battleship. Now, one thing I didn't think to talk about during the episode, but I want to say now, is that I rolled for how many battleships are present surrounding the island. And I think we said there were three. So there's the main battleship where we got the vignette of Admiral Magnus Cassidy. He's like the leader. He's like the big boss. If we go against the Dominion in this campaign, he's going to be the head honcho in these waters for the Dominion. I think we hit one of the other two ships. And after the events of them losing medicine and losing some gear and just basically taking damage and not being able to fight off a bunch of, as they would put it, rusted reach bums. I like the idea of rusted as a derogatory term in a world where iron means so much. But anyway, 
they have doubled down on basically imposing their will in the village. And things have been a little more tense. But a little bit of time has passed, and the medicine seems to be working. The new plan is going to be move the resistance to a new location to take some of the pressure off of the village itself. So the plan is to survey a bunch of the surrounding islands and maybe even sky islands to find a good base of operations for the rebellion, the resistance to headquarter out of that isn't this village now that the village is basically under the control of the Dominion. We need to move all the people who are going to be fighting. So we are going to do an exploration. We are going to undertake an expedition to find a good headquarters in one of the surrounding islands. Technically, we could also do this as an overland expedition and stay on the island of Istomavana, but I want to get on my ship. We gotta sail. We gotta fly, right? Now, I'm not sure if I'm doing this right. Sean Tomkin, if you ever listen to this, let me know. I think that I'm going to combine a few of the exploration moves and say that during that downtime and during the time of all this planning, the Morian, the Eldarian Resistance, and my crew of the Venture all decided that we were going to take different regions, sectors of nearby ocean in the reaches here. And I'm going to both set a course to a known location where we're going to be, and then I think that when we arrive on the island, we are going to undertake an expedition to find an appropriate place. So the difference between those two is, again, everything in Ironsworn is follow the narrative, do what makes sense. I'm specifically trying to roll quite a bit to show off the robustness of the design of this game. But really, you can just follow the fiction and say it makes all the sense in the world that this would just, we could just arrive there. Because we know roughly the island area we're going. However, because of the increased security and presence of the Dominion here, I'm going to roll to set a course. Which says, when you travel a known route through perilous seas across hazardous terrain or within a mysterious site, you roll plus supply. I think that these seas aren't particularly hazardous, but the presence of the Dominion is. So we're going to use supply, and in Sundered Isles, you have two sets of supply, one for personal and one for your ship. So as of right now, my hold on my ship is full at a five. Like we started with, we saw Dine and his small crew making sure everything was ship shape. No pun intended. So sorry, I had to do that. And yeah, let's roll. So when a move calls for you to roll using a condition meter like health, spirit, or supply, you don't actually roll plus that number. You use the number as if it were the result of your action die. So I just have to roll 2d10 here. And I got a 1 and a 2. It's a strong start again for me here in episode 2. On a strong hit, you reach your destination and the situation there favors you. Take plus 1 momentum. Well, yeah, I mean, we even before we started said we were checking everything to make sure it was absolutely perfect. So it benefited us to do that prep work. And now that we've arrived on this island, let's name this island. It is a nearby one. I don't think it is populated. I think it's small chance it's populated. Otherwise, why would we be looking here for the potential headquarters of a resistance? We don't want to put people in danger. So let's ask the Oracle. Small chance is 10 or less will be yes. 
46, no, it is uninhabited, small-ish island, kind of out of the way, perfect for a place to just kind of set up for resistance meetings and caching supplies, etc. And now Dine is going to undertake an expedition to kind of give an overland look of this island to see if there are good resources, good places to set something up, anything like that. We are going to assign it a name and a rank. That name is going to be Explore Gamadar for Resistance Headquarters. I'm going to assign it a rank of, I think, Dangerous. I know we haven't been leaning into the crazy ones. You know what? Let's ask the Oracle. There is an option to pick two. So it says pick two options. Rate one as likely and roll on the table to see if it's true. Likely would be Dangerous, 75 or less. Well, my high rolls came back to bite me. I think it's formidable. And you know what? To make it formidable, let me roll the cursed die and see if it comes up because we have a thing for cursed. No cursed die this time. And you know what? Let's just keep on rolling dice. Let's do the islands oracles here to find out about Gamadar. It is a small island. It takes about an hour or two to walk the island's circumference and the terrain is sloped. Terrain rises gradually to a prominent ridge or peak. We are in the reaches, so let's see what the vitality of it is. That's a low roll. Devastated, ravaged by natural forces, or raised by despoilers. Maybe this island is like half pulled apart and there's a nearby sky island. This was an affected part of the cataclysm from the war. We are out here in the reaches. So I like the idea that this is almost like a sea-bound half of an island, and there's another half of the island not far in the distance floating above the ocean elsewhere. Oh, that's fun. That's cool. And that's what makes this formidable, because, like, something terrible happened here, and who knows how or why. So maybe that's another reason people avoid this island. There are no signs of habitation. And other than the floating island in the sky, there are no other islands in sight. And along the coastline, there are swampy mangrove thickets that protect the coast and the shoreline. Uh, very good for any kind of storms. And also, depending on the size of mangroves, you could pull small boats like the Morian have into them to lose larger ships if they pursue you here. So that's actually a really good feature for this island. Now, the question is, where inland are we going to set up the headquarters? And that's what the formidable expedition in front of us is all about. So per the undertake an expedition move, for each segment of the expedition, envision your approach and roll based on the appropriate approach. So I think that I'm definitely not moving at speed just yet. We don't need to keep a low profile, so that leaves staying vigilant, which makes all the sense in the world, but unfortunately rolls with wits, which is one of our two lowest stats. So Dine, I think Ephraim maybe comes with Dine. Ooh, we don't split the party, do we? We're gonna say the crew is with us for this. However, the crew cannot be used like the cohort asset, so at the moment we're traveling together, but I don't really have any mechanical use for them. And if anything, they may be caught in the crossfires of misses or something like that. All right, so we are staying vigilant, rolling with wits for our first roll. 
in our expedition overland here. A 5 plus 1 is a 6, and the two challenge die are a 6 and an 8 for a miss. And a miss is pretty brutal. It says you are waylaid by a crisis or arrive at a waypoint to confront an immediate hardship or threat. Do not mark progress and pay the price. I think... Oh... I think I'm going to burn all this momentum we've been generating from the first session and turn this into a weak hit. Our momentum is currently at 8, which would replace our action die and make it better than one of these dice, but still not higher than both. But a weak hit is a lot better than a miss on this Undertake and Expedition. So I'm going to burn momentum back down to my reset value of 2. And instead, we will take the weak hit, which says, reach a waypoint, but this progress costs you. Either choose a suffer move at minus two or two suffer moves at minus one or face a peril at the waypoint and envision what you encounter. Hmm. I can see taking two minus ones like enduring harm over the course of the trek so far and sacrificing resources for a little bit. Like we had to get rid of something or we lost something as we were traveling a particularly treacherous area. Or I really like the idea of maybe getting into our first fight with a bit of wildlife or something like that. But I definitely think we're going to end up fighting something on this island. So I'm going to go with whittling a little bit during the journey. I think that there was maybe a portion of this island, like we said, it's been like ripped in half almost. And I think that there are jagged sections where a chunk of island was pulled from it. And there was a section where there was no way we could really find our way around without really just tracking hours in addition to what we've been doing so we went for it and I think that Dine maybe cut himself on some sharp rocks and dropped a bit of supplies. We do get to mark progress on our formidable undertake an expedition quest here which is only one box so it's slow going and now we are going to explore the waypoint that we find ourselves at. Oh no. Here is another miss. See, now it's all starting to turn around. The pendulum is swinging back. My luck is going out the window. When we miss on Explore a Waypoint, you encounter an immediate hardship or threat and must pay the price. But I'm going to remember to use one of my actual assets that I have, and that asset is going to be Companion Monkey. Tamarin here says... Your monkey companion finds its own trouble. Once per situation, when you score a miss, you envision a cost involving the monkey causing mischief or getting into danger. If you do, roll plus its health. So I think that we arrive at a waypoint and I think that Tamron sees something that may be interesting to her. Maybe it's fruit on a tree, maybe it's something else, but this may get us out of our miss. Either way, I can only do it once per situation. I don't know if that's going to be during this entire expedition yet. It might not be, depending on how slow going it is. But we roll versus Tamron's health, which at the moment is a three. So not great odds of succeeding, but nope. Nope, I rolled a seven and a nine on the challenge dice. So Tamron also misses, which says on a miss, it faces its own cost or makes the situation worse. I think that Tamron is going to make the situation worse. So I guess we do have to roll on that pay the price, which is a d100 table that is the result of often a miss on a roll. 
and Tamarin is going to somehow make this worse. So let's see what we get. Oh no. Remember that time I love rolling high apparently in this game? Well, that's a 98, which says roll twice. So here goes. A 10 says you create an opportunity for an enemy and 41, the environment or terrain introduces a new hazard. So opening for an enemy, terrain makes a new hazard. I think that Tamarin climbs up a tree thinking I'm just going to grab this fruit. And when she does so, she grabs a vine that this fruit is growing on. And it just comes down with the weight of her pulling down a mass, a tangle of vines that just, I think, falls on the whole crew. And we are currently stuck underneath a heavy net of natural vines just clinging together, just an absolute mess tangle of vines. And what was living on top of those vines? Well, let's go ahead and pick one of the creatures from... I'm going to look through both Starforged and Ironsworn original right now and see if there's an appropriate beast for this kind of encounter. Pause for perusing. I found a few. From the original Iron Sworn, there are Harrow Spiders, which are dangerous, large, gigantic spiders that, it even says, move through high branches with uncanny grace, dropping suddenly to grapple their prey and entomb them in webbing. And in Starforged, I found two creatures that I thought were really interesting and appropriate, which were the Howlcat, which is a feline creature that actually has no eyes, has a weird like echolocation brain thing and a bunch of ears, and it does say it lives in jungles. Or if we want to do the hardest version, because both the spider and the hellcat were dangerous in their rank, the puppet vine. And I would choose the probably flowering puppet vine for formidable to match our expedition here. A puppet vine is a parasitic plant-like entity that is usually encountered thorny, fleshy tendrils sprouting from a desiccated corpse, but when it is done with that corpse, it begins flowering, which flowers eventually become fruits, and that is what we said Tamarin was reaching for. So I'm just going to roll 1d6 and see what we get. We'll do 1 or 2 is the Harrow Spider, 3 or 4 is the Howl Cat, and 5 or 6 is the Puppet Vine. Of course, it is a 5. So these vines that fell on us are not just vines. They are going to attempt to grab us, stab us with thorns, and just drain our good old life juices. Oh, not good. So when entering combat in Iron Sworn, the rank of the creature, so in this case it is a formidable creature that we're going to be fighting, that means that just like tracking progress against anything like our quest right now, any progress we make towards defeating this puppet vine is going to mark one box in the progress track. As a formidable opponent, any damage it deals is going to deal three harm to us. So that's pretty brutal. This could be very bad. But I am excited to finally use these combat rules in Sundered Isles, and we are going to use the Enter the Fray move. 
When you initiate combat or are forced into a fight, envision your objective, we've given it a rank and a name, and then we roll to see if we're in control. We are certainly caught in a trap or sizing up the situation, so we have to roll plus wits, which again is not one of our better stats, so here goes. Oh boy, okay, well I got a 6 plus 1 on my action die for a 7, versus a 2 and a 0, so a 10, on the challenge dice for a weak hit. So I can either choose plus 2 momentum or begin the combat in control. And control is kind of like initiative in Iron Sworn. Right here I'm going to read it, it says, In a fight your character is in one of two positions, in control or in a bad spot. If you are in control, you can make proactive moves like gaining ground and striking, but when you're in a bad spot, you must make reactive moves, such as reacting under fire and clashing. The outcome of a combat move will describe your current position. You can only end a fight if you are in control. But for us, in this situation, it is hard for me to justify being in control, but I also don't know how we would have momentum with us. I think I'm going to take in control. I saw Tamron run up that tree and start reaching for these vines, and I even looked and I said, Tam, no! And that's when it pulled down, so the in control is just me saying, okay, something terrible is about to happen, I better be ready to act. So I'm not in a reactive mode, I'm thinking, do something before this gets even worse. And I think that sounds like the move Gain Ground. When you are in control and take action in a fight to reinforce your position or move toward an objective, envision and roll. I'm going to use another one of my assets here and I'm going to use my sorcerer path. It says here, when you secure an advantage or gain ground by creating a minor mystical effect, roll plus spirit. I think we talked about earlier how a lot of the focus of mystic and sorceress arts here in this setting are revolving around wind. I think that there's probably quite a bit of elementalism to it as well, but to avoid being like, all oh, of a sudden I can shoot fire, I think the more reasonable thing would be to basically create a gust of wind that maybe pushes all of my allies out of the immediate area where this vine trap is going to fall in this clearing. So let's go ahead and roll to gain ground, and I am charging boldly into action or coming to the aid of others, so I'm going to roll plus heart, plus two for us. That is a six plus two for an eight on the action die versus a six and a 10 on the challenge dice, so that is a weak hit. On a weak hit, choose one, mark progress, take plus two momentum, or add plus one on your next move. Well, I don't think we've made progress towards stopping this thing, so I'm going to take plus two momentum. And also, per the sorcerer move on my path, my asset, it says, on a weak hit, take the standard benefits of the move, but first endure stress. Because I am using my magic, I'm going to be either taking minus one to my spirit, or I can choose to resist the stress and roll plus either spirit or heart, whichever is higher. Which in this case, because my heart is only plus two and my spirit is five, I would be rolling against a result of a five. So I think I'm just gonna take the minus one to spirit, mostly because this is a stressful situation for my character to be in. His crew is in danger on an overland expedition on a relatively unexplored island and all of a sudden, this terrifying vine drops down. 
Luckily, we do achieve what we set out to do with that weak hit, so a lot of our friends are pushed, and they, I think Tamron and Laulo definitely get pushed basically to the very edge of where this vine is coming down, this net, this tangle of vines, but I think that Ephraim is just too big. So I think that he is a little tougher to push with my magic, which I'm not all that proficient in. So I'm going to need to do some more in order to get him and all of us out of trouble here. Following up my attempt to gain ground, Dine is going to use the advantage of being in control to rush forward and slash at these vines with his two iron daggers. Now fighting in close quarters is not really his thing. He's not very good at this, but I also never really mentioned, I never said we had a pistol or a flintlock or a gun or anything like that. Not to mention, I don't think it's really my character's style. It may be something we need to get in the future just for our own protection, but right now, I think he's mostly just working with these dual iron daggers, these curved daggers. So we're going to strike, which is a move that says, when you are in control and assault a foe at close quarters, roll plus iron, which is our worst stat at a plus one. But here goes. We rolled a six on the action die, plus one for a seven versus a three and a 10 on the challenge dice for a weak hit. So on a weak hit, you mark progress twice, but expose yourself to danger. You are in a bad spot. So we've lost control, but I think that the magic got Laulo and Tamarin out of the way and knowing this was going to fall on Ephraim, Dine rushes forward and kind of shoulders his friend out of the way, getting his two daggers up in front of him and tries to slash as this tangle comes down on top of him. We are going to mark progress twice because I have slashed a few of these and gotten my friends out of trouble. So we are at two boxes on this formidable opponent, this puppet vine. And luckily we did not take any harm when we did this. We did get the blades up in time to both block and slash because I read further and it says here when the vine lashes out entangles them cuts into their flesh it deposits seeds microscopic seeds that mature and sprout from the victim so we really can't get hit right now that would make a whole new problem for us but now that we're in a bad spot we cannot use certain moves like when we were in control now there are two combat moves here that you can take when you are in a bad spot, and they are React Under Fire or Clash. Now we're fighting a puppet vine, this is not so much, I mean it is a living creature with a goal. I don't know how much it's physically putting up a fight as far as like a melee. Clash kind of insinuates that you are in a fight with this thing. React Under Fire says, when you're in a bad spot and take action in a fight to avoid danger or overcome an obstacle, which this almost feels more like. And again, this just highlights how great this game is designed because it can really go either way and you're following the fiction. That is the most important thing. Rereading it again, I think I'm actually going to go with Clash because the Puppet Vine does say it is a parasitic plant-like entity. So I do think that it has control over itself in a way that it lashes out at potential victims, so it sees Dine slide underneath it, push another potential victim out, slash at it. It is going to try and attack him. We are going to clash, and unfortunately, again, we are in close quarters, so this is plus iron. Oh my, five plus one is a six on the action die against two fours 
on the challenge dice, a strong hit with a match. Clash says, on a strong hit, mark progress twice. You overwhelm your foe and are back in control. Now this does not have a specific trigger when you get a match on a strong hit, and typically it's used to either provide new information, a twist in the narrative, or kind of give you a new opportunity. And since we don't have anything, I'm going to go ahead and consult one of the oracles. I'm going to consult action and theme. 78 says research and 26 says discovery. Research discovery. Hmm. Well, the research that's going on here by the Sinosha Society is about these sky islands, and we did say that this small island was kind of torn in two during the cataclysm. So this is the oceanic half of the two pieces. So maybe, and again, this isn't something that Dine notices right away because he's in the thick of it, but I think that maybe Laulo and Ephraim are off to the side watching him kind of just try and dance around any of these thorns from getting him and they say hey Dine you should probably see this and he's like yeah in a minute guys but we are up to four progress in this formidable encounter and we are going to maintain our control now that we've gotten it back and we are going to attempt to get out why not we got to gain ground and we're going to do so with edge which says in pursuit or fleeing or maneuvering which i think is exactly what dine is doing right here he has slashed at a few of these maybe what he's done is when this fell when tamarin pulled it down it was using various trees and maybe other pieces of natural scaffolding to hold itself up and give itself good places to lash out from and when it fell to the ground here in this clearing of the jungle, it doesn't really have any places to anchor itself and launch from. So I've hit it in a few, so Dine has hit it in a few really key places to hamper its ability to do much. It's not very maneuverable at this point. So no time better than now to attempt to get out of this trouble. So we're going to gain ground with edge, attempting to flee. Wow, only a two on the action die plus our three in edge gives us a five, which is a strong hit against a one and a two on the challenge dice. So on a strong hit, we can choose two, mark progress, take plus two momentum, or add plus one to your next move. I'm going to mark progress twice. We are still in control. And I think that Dine makes it all the way to the tree that this originally fell from, its main anchored place where it was thickest. And I think I'm going to strike one more time, plus iron, not our best stat, and attempt to really sever this thing and leave it out to dry. So here goes. Oh my gosh! I will play this game forever if I can roll this well. A six plus one on the action die for a seven against two threes on the challenge die for another strong hit with a match. I think I easily slash through this thing. Strong hit, mark progress twice. We overwhelm our foe and are in control. Brings us to eight progress. And now I'm going to take decisive action. And I think that we are going to basically attempt to split up 
and grab this thing now that it really has no ability to move itself in any kind of threatening way and dispose of it somewhere where it will not be an issue for us. Here goes, we're rolling two challenge dice against our eight progress. And of course, we roll a one and a 10 for a weak hit. When you seize an objective in a fight, envision how you do it and roll. On a weak hit, you achieve your objective, but not without cost. Roll on the table below or simply choose one. The fight will not continue, but let's go ahead and roll a D100 and see what the complication is here. I think I know what it could be, but let's see if the random dice agree. Yep, it knew exactly. Others pay the price, someone else suffers the cost. And I think that means one of my two crewmates gets stabbed by this thorn and is going to be infected by this puppet vine. All right, we're going to roll 1d6, and if it is even, it is Laulo. If it is odd, it is Ephraim. Poor Ephraim. He's big. He's got big hands. It was really hard to not grab a spot where he was going to cut himself on one of these thorns. And now we have a big problem. Okay, well, we've overcome the obstacle, but it cost us. And we still have an island to explore. According to the Starforged book, it's a few hours before these are going to spread. We did say that this island was relatively small. It only takes a few hours to go around the entire perimeter of it. So I'm going to ask the Oracle. I think it's 50-50 that Ephraim himself wants to just turn around and leave. Dine and Laulo, and even Tamron with a sad face on Dine's shoulder. Look at the big crew member and say, hey, man, it's okay. We can go back. We need to get you help. We need to get you seen. Someone back at Istomavana must know how to treat this. 50-50, Ephraim wants to leave. A 62 is a no. He does not want to leave. He looks and he says, it's just a small scratch. It's not that bad. We can finish this. This is more important. This is about the safety of the people of Istomavana. Don't worry about me. But Dine and Laulo already see kind of the sweat on his brow. He's already a little worried. Maybe this is an unnecessary move, but I think that there is an adventure move called Compel that says when you try and persuade someone or make them an offer, envision your approach. I think we are going to persuade him to tell us when we got to get going. Basically, if we don't really nail the next leg of the journey, we hope he lets us know. And we're going to do this by charming him, encouraging him. So we're rolling plus heart. So plus two, Dine is rolling to tell his friend, it's okay. You're more important. We'll have time to come back. Let's see how this goes over. A six on the action die versus a three and an eight on the challenge dice for a weak hit. On a weak hit, they'll do what you want. They agree to your conditions but they come with a demand or complication. I think that Ephraim's probably stubborn. I think he thinks he's going to be fine. He's tough. He's not going to succumb to this as soon as they think. So he says, what are we waiting for? Did you even look at this yet? And because of our success with a match earlier, we did say that there was a 
Research Discovery. Now, I'm not sure what the Sinosher Society is researching, but this apparently is something interesting to them. And we do know that they are on Sky Isles, which is where Dine's Mystic Trial is supposed to be held. This is a sacred place to the people of these islands. It is an important place for his culture here on this island, these small islands in the reaches, where those bestowed with sorceress ability go to complete a trial that is mysterious, maybe because it is fully unique to the practitioner, to the sorcerer themselves. But regardless, something about where we are now is something that ties into the research being done by the Sinosha Society. Maybe it's what caused the Sky Isles to lurch forth from the ocean or tear apart from the islands that they came from and be suspended in the skies above in the first place. Yeah, why wouldn't it be the origin of the Sky Isles? Maybe bleak mists are tied into this. So, whatever this puppet vine had just enmeshed itself and overgrown to block out whatever it was hanging itself on, when it fell, it revealed something interesting. And what is that interesting thing? Do we roll on an oracle? Hmm. There's actually a perfect oracle for this called Overland Opportunities, which you roll on for inspiration for beneficial encounters or maybe if you roll strong hits with a match like we did in combat. Not for our Explorer Waypoint, which was a miss that led to the whole fight, but let's go ahead and roll on this to see what we get. The dice knoweth. 24. Clue to the history or nature of this land. Incredible. And I'm going to switch up how these oracles work just to give us another idea. As opposed to action theme or descriptor focus, I'm going to roll descriptor theme here and see what we get. 85 is safe. 49 is knowledge. Safe knowledge. Hmm. Oof. Now, I'm so tempted to say that these islands and their sky isles out here in the reaches, the reason that the cataclysm affected these more than those in the margins and the myriads is because of a density of a special kind of iron. Now, I want to call it Sky Iron, but I'm pretty sure that's from His Dark Materials. You know what? We're stealing it. And it crafts and it functions just like typical iron, but in the presence of certain energies, it has properties that have allowed it to basically anchor itself anywhere in physical space, which includes in the sky. And we still don't know what caused the cataclysm, but this sky iron reacted in a way that it almost was just pulled and anchored in a new place. And the safe part about this knowledge is that there's just a massive load that is missing, and you can almost perceive the perfect puzzle piece of it floating in the sky aisle. Now, it's far away, we would need to get in our ship and we would need to use whatever means of 
wind binding power we have left to get up there. And it's not close, but you can just see how perfect it was. And in a way, I think it really resonates with Dine's magic. He used it here to blast his friends out of trouble. And I don't know how much he's used it really in his life. He's known he has the sorceress ability, that he's going to be a mystic of his people, but he's had no opportunity to practice. He's had no teachers for whatever reason. But this was a surprisingly effective use of his magic. So I actually think that's enough to mark progress on both the Explore Gamadar track as well as the Mystic Trial background vow that we have which again is extreme, so we've only just filled out our first box in that by finding this powerful source of magic. But back to the more important exploration of this island to attempt to find a place for the resistance. This puppet vine was not a promising start, but Ephraim is insisting we push forward So let's go ahead and roll for the second segment of our expedition, and this time because of Ephraim's potential medical condition, we are going to be moving at speed, which is good for us because it allows us to roll plus edge. Dine is setting the pace, and he's worried about his friend Ephraim. The magic is one thing, but he keeps looking back, and he does not want to be responsible, and he does not want to feel guilty that he might be putting his friend in danger. So, more so than he already has. So let's go ahead and move at speed with Edge. Oh my goodness, a 3 plus 3 for a 6 on the action die versus 2 fives on the challenge dice. Another strong hit with a match. This is the greatest series I've ever rolled, ever. So, on a strong hit, you reach a waypoint, envision the location, mark progress. We are going to reach a waypoint, which we get there no problem, and we are starting to get a lay of the land here on this small island of Gamadar, and we are going to explore the waypoint, which unfortunately rolls plus wits, not Dine's strength, but he's going to look around and see what we find out. A six plus one for a seven versus a one and a six on the challenge dice for another strong hit. We are going to mark progress again all the way up to four already. And just keep riding this momentum, not mechanically speaking, but the crew is making great progress as far as time and Ephraim's condition goes. Dine looks back at him, gets a nod from Ephraim that he can go one more segment. They're basically going to have done a perimeter of the island, maybe not done the interior completely, but we'll see what this next roll gets us. We turn between daylight running out, time to get back to the boat, time to get back to the main isle of Istomavana. We are turning around and are pretty confident in what we've done so far. Let's see, for the last segment, we are moving at speed still, rolling plus edge. Could get us in trouble, but a four plus three for a seven on the action die versus a one and a ten on the challenge dice, which is a weak hit for this segment of the expedition. On a weak hit, you reach a waypoint, but We have to choose one. We either suffer costs on route and make a suffer move or two lesser suffer moves or face a peril at the waypoint. Oh, man. I'm only going to say that we confront a peril if by some very unlucky chances a Kairodi Dominion ship has seen the venture 
out here on this island in one of its patrols. I'm going to roll and ask the oracle. I think it is unlikely that they spotted or saw the small venture when it was coming out here, but there's a chance. So 25 or less on this D100 and the Dominion ships have seen us. Okay, 62 is a no. So the Dominion has not seen us, meaning we're going to just take two suffer moves. We're not going to lose momentum because we cannot take a delay. But we are going to endure harm. And that is going to be reflected as Ephraim. I don't think mechanically I'm supposed to do that to my health track. Maybe I'll take one endure harm. And one endure stress, because this is a stressful situation now that we are getting closer and time is of the essence and Ephraim is slowing down little by little. He's scratching at the small puncture wound in his arm from the thorn of this puppet vine, and it's looking pretty nasty. So we did not make a ton of progress on this expedition, but we're going to have to try and Use the progress move, finish an expedition. When your expedition comes to an end, roll the challenge dice and compare to progress, which is only five at this point. So, oof, here goes. Oh no. Two sixes on the challenge dice for a miss with a match. And I think that can only mean one thing. As he's scratching at his arm, Ephraim sees, all of a sudden, wiggling out of the wound, a small tendril. Dine and Laulo look at one another, and Tamron shrieks. And that's gotta be where we end this session. Oh no. Oh no. Well, let's finish the move on a miss. Your destination is lost to you. You come to understand the true nature or cost of the expedition. We can either abandon this island altogether, or we can return, but we need to increase the rank of the expedition by one, which would bring it to extreme. Now, there is very interesting information here when it comes to magic and mystic sorcery that Dine has been meaning to delve deeper into. But is that worth it, given what's happening to his friend right now? I don't think I'm going to make this decision just yet. I think this is going to be a decision that may complicate connections with the other Resistance members back at Grandma's house. Oof. Well, we had one session where we rolled nothing but rocks, and now this session where we had some real good moments and some real rough moments. So I can't wait to keep playing this game and see where it takes us, and I hope that you are enjoying it. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Iron Sworn Sundered Isles is going to be crowdfunding sometime in early 2024. If you'd like to talk to me or tell me things that you think I might be doing wrong with Ironsworn or give advice for how I could approach some of these things better maybe or in a different light, 
definitely hit me up. Find me on any of the social medias at Rainy Plays Games. You can email me directly at rainyplaysgamespod at gmail.com. I pronounce it rainy, and it's R-E-N-E. I don't do it the French way, so I apologize to any French purists out there. If you're listening on day one, thank you so much for plowing through these, and stay tuned because I have a lot more in the pipeline coming. Conversations with friends and people from the industry, as well as more actual plays and some hopefully fun little series. None of my episodes are ever going to be much longer than an hour, if at all, because I know people are busy. And if you're like me, you have a lot of podcasts that you subscribe to and you want to listen to them all. So I hope that you are enjoying the format that I'm taking here. Please go check out the DMs After Dark when they're streaming every other Friday, my nerdy homies. And until next time, watch out for thorns. And I can say this with uh, professional experience here. It sucks going through like bramble bushes. Oof. You know what? Till next time, get chaps. I should specify not assless chaps. You know what? Get assless chaps. You do you. <laughs> <laughs>